Hello, everybody. You are listening to the Chaos and Shadow podcast. My name is Kyle, and I'm joined here by my co-host, Pagan. Pagan, how are you doing tonight? I am good. How are you doing? Doing very well, thank you. We have two super special guests, our good friends, Michelle Belanger and Elyria Rose Little joining us tonight. Absolutely awesome time. Cannot wait to talk to these two. We did our last interview around August as part of the House Kepru event. So, Elyria, Michelle, welcome to the show. How are you two this evening? Pretty good. I'm doing great. Elyria. I just got back. A road trip. But that's, I'm still energized. <laughs> that's what I was going to say. You just got back from a massive road trip. Can you want to tell us about that? Uh, How was that? Where'd you go? Yeah, it was amazing. So the West is very much my like spiritual revitalizing place. Mm-hmm. And I just like at the point that I cross over into like the lands that are technically the West, like, you know, not very much rain. Like I can feel it. And I felt it when I was driving through South Dakota. Um, my main destination was Missoula, Montana, where I did a bunch of hiking with my dad um, and a backpacking trip for a few days. Although we happened to get some of the coldest days in October. <laughs> oh. It was in the 20s at night, I'm certain. Oh, wow. And the first, the first day I woke up in the tent, I couldn't feel my feet. So at the point we started hiking, I was trying to like get feeling back and at some point i was like hey dad i need to go a little slower because i'm stumbling because there's no feeling from the ankles down <laughs> wow and it came back eventually but it was it was dramatic i saw the bite. oh my goodness comment about no frostbite so that that seems like a very very lucky thing yes yes it was i still have all my toes Yay! <laughs> that's what we asked for and- it still sounds like a really incredible trip. I, I love, I, I've seen a lot of imagery of Missoula and Missoula is just mm-hmm. gorgeous. Yeah, it's one of the only towns where there can be avalanches that threaten the town because some of the mountains surrounding the town are so steep and so close. Oh, oh. oh okay. <laughs> <laughs> Michelle's like, yikes. <laughs> Michelle's like, great. I'm glad you went. <laughs> yeah. Mountain lions wolves and everything else yeah wow. totally worth it wow I, i've always said if, you know if i die being eaten by a mountain lion or a bear that will be a good life <laughs> i mean yeah i i could sure. see that i could yeah. see how that could be a good life i don't think i would want to go out that way though i'd like to go to sleep in my bed preferably <laughs> that's fair yeah there. just invite them out be like just let me lie down a minute <laughs> Just have it into the house. Yeah. That's fine. Hold on one second. <laughs> Hold on, bear. We'll make this an appointment. <laughs> but yeah, no, I got back a couple of days ago. And ever since I got home, I've felt the difference. Mm-hmm. Um, just being in that place that recharges me so much. I feel so much more myself and so much more capable of like doing and enjoying all the things that I usually do. It's just more fun, which is really nice. <laughs> I'm so glad to hear that. In the world. <laughs> and Michelle, you've been hard at work on all kinds of awesome games and writing. And I, I've been keeping up with that on Twitter. You want to tell us a little bit about what you've been up to lately? I had a f- long fallow period with like creative writing. And then in the middle of August, I got bit hard uh, by 
well, short stories, but also journaling games, which then spidered out into a whole bunch of like little mini games and one person games. Uh, so a little bit of background is in the 90s, I was a contractor for Wizards of the Coast and I would write and direct and organize 150 plus person live action role play events at major conventions like Origins and Gen Con. Uh, and I had my own little vampire chronicle that ran from, oh God, maybe like 1990. It was tabletop from 92. It went to live action in like 94 or 95, and it ran through 2000. <laughs> and it wove in and out of, there were like the big kind of tentpole convention games, and then our, our home crew would do like little mini conventions. And <clears throat> I've, I've, I love, I love game writing because it's collaborative. Like you tell these stories in people's character histories and then you invite the other person to put their creative input into that, to like give life to the character and then like take it in whatever direction they want it to go. Uh, and so like organizing plot lines and characters and character hooks for no joke, 150 plus people uh, and just letting them do improv for three days at a convention <laughs> with the seeds of the stories that I built. I've missed it. <clears throat> and I started to find um, uh, Jian Shim, I think, was the first person. And I, I apologize if I'm mispronouncing her last name. Uh, she did uh, Shape of Shadows, I think, and A Field Guide to Memory. And there's a couple of journaling games that have started to take off. And they are sort of where role play and fan fiction or like like journaling um, prompts mix where you can do it solo you don't have to go out to a convention you don't even have to like have a set game night to like hang out with your friends you read something there are prompts and then you write or like record your responses so i have a long experimental uh, novel called lonely house which is collaborative fiction so there are it's written in the second person so you present tense and you are guided through this and there are breaks in the story where you then write what happens to you and how you respond to these various moments in in the text and the whole thing is a collaborative book it is one of the coolest things i have ever seen like the way that it marries your writing and your storytelling ability with the ability of anyone else to like contribute the the soul of the story to this like not filled in outline of its body it's it's amazing well part of it was also i i've been i love fiction and you know we're at this point where diversity is not just uh, a popular topic like it's it's an imperative mm -hmm. and trying to be representative and sensitive to all of the different points of view and ways that people can present in in a story in a novel is incredibly challenging uh, and I wanted to leave room for the characters to be whatever the person needs them to be uh, whatever quality whatever they, they are with lonely house there's a couple of restrictions just based on the narrative uh, so the person needs to be able to get around a house with stairs on their own, unassisted. Um, and there's an assumption that they have at least some minimal ability to hear and see. Uh, but beyond that, 
it's pretty open-ended, um, you know, neurodivergent and, and everything else. Like you, you can be whoever or whatever. Uh, and that spun off into a, um, <laughs> it started off as like a cheesy little like vampire toy. I like, like, um, it's, it's a journaling game. It's a little bit less complex and it's called Midnight's Kiss. And it just leans into every romantic vampire trope you can possibly imagine, um, where you have a vampire lover. And decide like you there there are these very very extensive charts that you can roll on if you want to to determine like what's your vampire lover's presentation where are they from what's a little bit of their personality or you can make it up and just kind of like engage with this <laughs> um all of that came out and then um to play with mechanics as well uh ouija scramble which was uh just a random thought of like what if you know how do i make like a little one page game that people can play uh, which you play a renowned psychic medium who is using their board to communicate. No Ouija boards are actually used in the game. It's uh, letter tiles from Scrabble or something. <laughs> Only the veil has gotten thick, so the, the spirits are not communicating easily. Like, you get the first letter of every word, and that's where the game comes in. So you have a client coming to you with a particular type of spirit attached to them, and you have to interpret the message. By a random pull of several letters, which you then arrange and choose what those letters say, like what words they start with. That is so awesome. <laughs> and then there's a bunch more, like 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 uh, the past. Yeah, yeah. You, you've been yeah, on like, a, like a, a train ride yeah. to who knows where, <laughs> Kalamazoo. So so we just scrambles <laughs> out. Um, it happened to launch pretty much the same day that I finally worked with uh, Onyx Path mm. on a World of Darkness game. So I'm in their Ghost Hunters book uh, and wrote a bunch of that along with a bunch of other talented writers. Uh, and the fun part with that is, unbeknownst to me, one of the game developers there did a, did an insert so in the resources, in the world of darkness, your character can choose to have a book like Tobin's Spirit Guide or the Necronomicon or the Ghost Hunter's Guide to the Occult, <gasps> which now exists in the White Wolf universe. Oh, that's that awesome. awesome. <laughs> Super that cute. Is- my, yeah. my inner nerd is like geeking out right now. I need I need to go get these. And now I like I was already sorted Jones into like need to do some D and D. No, yeah, I'm. Oh thanks for giving me that bug. Now it's bit <laughs> well, me really hard. <laughs> that's the thing. Is like over the summer I'd started um, a much more complicated gaming system that is like an entire thing that I will not say much more about because I've actually got it pitched to a company because it's something that I would like. Hey, this is this is not just a little one shot. This is not an indie game, um, and you know, fingers crossed that that goes somewhere. Uh, so many things. Also, I found that uh, the Dictionary of Demons tenth anniversary edition was nominated for a witchy uh, and voting <gasps> for. for it. Um, <laughs> Yay! So yeah, we just scramble. Uh, Lonely House, Midnight's Kiss. It's done. I'm, I've got people beta testing stuff, so we're thinking Midnight's Kiss will probably release on Valentine's Day. And when we right. say people, we mean patrons. Yeah, yeah. All the patrons, <laughs> anybody on my Patreon who has volunteered, who's like, "Hey, I'll, I'll, I'll read it and beta test it," which basically means read it, tell me what you think. Um, so everybody gets like first crack at all of these. Hmm. 
That Very is cool. phenomenal. Yeah. Oh my gosh. What a busy, spooky season it's been for you guys. <laughs> are these, are these going to be strictly digital or are they going to be available in like hardback? Uh, so like we just scramble and a couple of the little like one, one or two page ones. I'm looking to be just digital, um, just for ease of download for everybody. Um, drive through RPG and itch.io would be the, the main places that I'm distributing them through, but lonely house. I want to have both an electronic and a hard copy, mm-hmm. uh, with a, a deluxe edition because there's, there's a journal that you're using in the game. And I kind of want a book that is the story and a book that is the journal. Um, both of them branded to look like the journal in the house. Oh, wow. Yeah, I, I I want hard copies. <laughs> I will be buying the hard copies whenever they're out. <laughs> yeah, Kat Mason is hard at work doing all the graphic design and, and artsy stuff for that. Making it look super cool. Oh, oh and then there was um, Rainbow Bridge, which is done and just waiting for uh, art and layout. And this was really not the type of game I normally write. It's It's cute um but also so the game designer i mentioned uh john shim um lost her cat bartleby uh, not too long ago under circumstances that were very similar to uh, my cornelius passing and it, it hit me like pretty hard and since gaming was one of the ways that we were uh interconnected i wrote this little one page solo rpg um or it Actually, it's like two to six people, or it has a solo option, called Rainbow Bridge, where you play departed spirits of pets who have crossed the Rainbow Bridge and are now on a little journey in the space beyond the Rainbow Bridge to their new incarnation. And they encounter either memories or passages, depending on where you roll on the 20-sided the die. Uh, and if you get a passage, you can choose to move on through that passage, or you can choose to keep going with your friends. Uh, and if you get a memory, you have something that prompts you to share something that you loved about your life or the family that you were with. And it's bittersweet and heartwarming. So and tear- oh, that is so precious. Gosh. Yeah, so <laughs> I feel like this is the, the fall. Yeah. The autumn time is totally your creative time. And I feel like the simple question leading yeah. to like a, a profusion of answers. <laughs> what do you want like, to do? A pattern. <laughs> That's what we <laughs> want. <laughs> no, I love it. I love it. I love it. I love it. Oh. It's so great. I, I can't wait to experience all of it and get all of it and try all of it and hopefully run an RPG with at least half of it. <laughs> oh, that'd be great. Oh my gosh. I mean, like you said, we get into this time of year. I think this is my creative season as well. Mm -hmm. I don't know if Ohio is getting it too, but Pennsylvania finally dropped in some temperature when we got those big storm fronts the other day. Yeah. Yes, it's glorious. Yeah, I agree. I mean, we were and the, the forecast was saying we're going to be in the 80s for a bit. So to have it drop below into the 50s and lower, I am thrilled. I, I could use more fall, though, before before the actual snows come. You can hold <laughs> off on that longer. I need my fall weather. Let me have my pumpkins in peace. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I've, I've had the windows open. The cats have been thrilled. Oh. Like that, that, that sort of like the, that burning, that subtle sense of burning with the turning of the leaves. You can catch mm-hmm. it. Just, I love it. I love this funny. season. I, I wonder how much of my recharge was actually like my visit to winter because mm. it didn't get above like 
54 the whole time I was out West. And mostly it was like 30s and 40s. Really good. Really like what it's called. (laughs) I'm so glad you got a nice recharge. That is is needed, Illyria. I'm so happy to hear that. Well, it's a great confluence. Like, it's one of the reasons that things work out so well. Is like, this one goes off for like two or three weeks to go hike in the wilderness. And I'm here just <laughs> like, like <laughs> off in the apothecary nook, occasionally coming up for food and tea. <laughs> Being distracted by your kitten, thankfully, so that you do get up. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Although windows are a great way to keep the kitten distracted. Mm. And she like, she's near me, but she's also got something to smell outside. <laughs> and she's not like right in the middle of the laptop. Oh my goodness. I love it. It's yeah. So great. What a wonderful <laughs> time. Uh, one of the things that we wanted to talk about, we said this right before we started the podcast, but for our <laughs> listeners out there, if you haven't seen it, the Inspiration House got featured in a little Netflix series called The World's Most Amazing Vacation Rentals. I was telling Michelle and Larry, this is the first time, aside from the, the website that you have set up for it, uh, this was the first time I got to see an actual tour walkthrough of the place. And I wanted to pick your brains on just the whole process of having the crew there to you know set up shop and and move through and then also to talk to you about some more specifics of it in a little bit about what sort of hauntings might be there and what people could look forward to if they decide to book on airbnb and such so what was it like having them all in and and doing that that's your baby yeah well it was a bit of a trust fall too because it was at the beginning of the pandemic yeah. Uh, and like we last didn't summer. Yeah, it was it was last summer. Uh, and so we didn't know a whole lot about COVID or anything. I mean, w- people were still working out masks worked. Uh, mm. So everybody needed to be masked and tested. And the folks that were on camera were not. Um, and, and that was well, uh, not masked. Yeah, we're, no. we're not masked. I mean, so, so but but at the time, like being anywhere around people that I just met without a mask was like, whoa, yeah. Um, so, so that was, that was a lot. They were awesome people to work with. It was a really, really exciting crew. One of the things that I liked was Inspiration House's little debut on TV was not a paranormal show. Nobody was trying to find evidence to make it spooky. Like there, there was no, um, you know, some, some of the shows, one of the reasons I don't expect to see Inspiration House on many standard paranormal shows is the haunting is not scary. Uh-huh. It's really cozy. Uh, the spirits there are people, uh, you know, they were just previous residents and they are not, you know, they didn't go through traumatic stuff. They're, they died in the house. Many of them died in the house, but all under, um, you know, natural causes, they old age in most cases. So it's not the scene of an axe murder. It's not the scene of horrendous, uh, you know, suicide and and other sorts of physical trauma. It's just a house that people loved too much to move out of. <laughs> the setup part, though, that was oh that was something because it's TV. <laughs> they needed to know uh, and have releases for any piece of art that is on the walls. Or on the shelves, or any book, or pretty much any anything that shows up there that could possibly have a copyright or a trademark claim needed to be vetted. So I found that most Airbnbs that I've ever stayed in don't really have much art on the walls. Inspiration House does. <laughs> it is a 
exception, there's a lot of art on the walls. Happily, most of it is actually from artists that we know mm-hmm. uh, or, or knew how to contact. Um, so it wasn't too much of a pain to get the releases, but most of the interaction that I had with the crew was just going back and forth on this spreadsheet that had over a hundred entries of like, okay, this statue and this painting and this like, watercolor and this photograph. And like, okay, and luckily, you know, these are all done by my family, so it's okay. Um, but I was also not on site for yeah. the, uh, the actual filming. I was working on the Cape last summer um, and I managed to get I think four days. I got four days off all summer. Mm-hmm. And I used those four days to drive back, drive out here, help set up Inspiration House, clean, clean shoot, like maniacs, clean. <laughs> this one focused on the display room and getting that all set up so it looked right on camera. And then I left like two days before the shoot started because I had to go back to my Cape job. It was ridiculous. I was so tired. <laughs> and then the hardest thing was not talking about it. Because we had like a this ironclad NDA for for almost a year, we had to just be like, mm, can't even say where it's going to be. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yep, it's going to be on a streaming network. Yeah. <laughs> wow, that's I mean that, that pro- maybe isn't such a big turnaround, but I would have a, that's a hard time sitting on that story oh, without mm-hmm. talking about it. So exciting. Yeah, the, the full year was a little bit long for mm. things like that, but the pandemic played a role in why it took so long. Totally. I mean, figure, it's a travel show. <laughs> the whole concept is travel. A number of the places were out of out of country, like the mm. you know, and the world was in lockdown, so they pretty much had to go on hiatus. Wow. That makes total sense. Uh, and I, I did get to hear you talk about on your Patreon about the, uh, the, the, the making that spreadsheet. And I, I the only thing I, I wanted to chime in the whole time was to say, at least you got it done now. You have the list. You've got the sheet. So at least it, uh, when, when there's more filming done for Inspiration yeah. House, you will have done a massive workload already. I like that you called out the difference between it not debuting on a traditional paranormal show, because that didn't even go through my head till you said that. But really, they did a great job, in my opinion, of going in and saying pretty respectfully of of all the paranormal community, this is why people would want to stay here. Here's really cool facets of it. I thought they did a very interesting job of highlighting that stuff and even played a little bit of um, you guys did a little Ouija board session there as well, I believe. Yeah, yeah, we did Um, with the board that I that I handmade back in like 99 or 2000. It's on display in the display room. (laughs) And they, they wanted to do something for like actual spirit communication. I'm like, how about this? This is, you know, this is visual. It's, it's pretty easy. Uh, and, you know, contrary to popular, popular belief, Ouija boards are not going to just automatically get you possessed by the devil. Uh, <laughs> it's, it's fine. Uh, it, the, what we don't get to see on camera is uh, I've got the traditional planchette, the little like heart shaped thing that came, that, that came with a different Ouija board to use on that. And I have always used on that particular Ouija board, um, not a planchette, but a wine glass, actually a brandy mm-hmm. snifter, because um, it's a little more squat. And it's, um, I forget where I read, 
it was a it was an intense description about a, a seance that was going on in the 20th century and, and they were using the glass and it started to move fast enough that like that you know if you like play with the rim yeah. of a good crystal glass it like sings mm-hmm. so it will, it will sing on the board as well if it's going really well oh um, wow oh yeah it's 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 a pretty neat side effect it's just kind of got like this this cool energy to it the planchette just refused to work like it was just mm-hmm. there was nothing nothing happened <laughs> so i was like all right hang on a second this might look weird, but here, here's, here's this, here's why. And and as soon as we started to use the tool that I usually used with that board, it was cheerfully zipping along and answering questions and seemed. Um, so I expected somebody from Inspiration House to come through and I was open to whatever was going to happen. And I wanted to mostly leave it in, in the, the hands of the hosts. And uh, they didn't go much into it, but somebody who seemed to be attached to Louis, um, Louis, Louis was, uh, yeah, I'm going to pronounce his name five different ways. I apologize <laughs> for murdering it. Um, <laughs> Louis, Louis, um, I'm French. So it was Louis. Uh, <laughs> Being French doesn't change I, his I, name. I know, I know, I know. I, I'm, I love you. Just anyway, <laughs> With that gaff out of the way, Luis, um, something attached to Luis came through. Um, it was personal, which is, I'm pretty sure, why it didn't go on camera. Hmm. That's understandable. That makes sense. Yeah. That makes perfect sense. I, I, I heard you mentioning that in the behind the scenes chat you did, and I thought that was really, makes sense. And I really liked the outlining you've done up on the website and a little bit that went into the show there of, of where spirits can be found in that house. Cause I think as you've told us publicly before, I want to say we've had the conversation on chaos mm-hmm. and shadow, but we've talked about how inspiration house is a place for folks that want to go and have a kind of a, mm-hmm. a good communing with spirits, want to open themselves mm-hmm. up a little bit more and do it in a place that's going to respect them as much as they respect it, which is, rather large departure from the paranormal tourism where everyone wants to go and have almost a, a terrifying encounter. So yeah. I, I wonder if we could talk a little bit about how you decided to go about purchasing and owning Inspiration House and and how that all plays together. Because I guess my question is, were you looking for a haunted house to begin with? And was the goal to always show it off? Or how how did that happen? So, well, I, I was haunted would have been a bonus. I was looking initially for a place to hold classes mm. pre-pandemic, uh, being able to yeah, do yeah, right. yeah, a, a lot, a lot, of, a lot of it has to do with like how, how did the world change because of the pandemic. Uh, I I do a lot of classes on psychic development and mediumship and dream walking and things that especially benefit from like a three-day weekend kind of like sleep over, do some of the work, uh, reconvene, come back and like, you know, process it. And I was looking for a location uh, to do that. It would have had to be a place with enough space to hold classes and also some sleeping rooms for some of the people to sleep over. Uh, and for my personal preference, I was hoping for maybe a Victorian, you know, something from the 1800s. Haunted would have been like a nice side benefit, but it wasn't a deal breaker. Uh, there was a price range uh, and, and sort of like within a certain uh, driving distance from where our physical house is. And a house came on the market 
that was brought to my attention because of a, sp- a possible spooky past in Oberlin. And this was not Inspiration House. This is uh, this was a Victorian um, that's on the National Historical Registry just down the street. And we looked at it, and it was I loved it. It was yeah. gorgeous. The house itself was, you know, the tower, like the whole thing, oh, like background like, porch, yeah, everything like... that you would expect from from a, a Victorian of the time. Uh, there were a couple of things that were problematic for what I was looking for. Parking was a nightmare, mm. um, and there were a lot. There, there was a lot of stuff that was going to need to be fixed. And so I was like, oh, but so cool and not. But that put me on uh, a certain real estate website's list, and they started sending me notifications. Oh, yes. They <laughs> <laughs> one, what a sneaky beast. <laughs> one of those notifications was just this parlor with these walls that were like this deep red, and there was a grand piano, and then some other stuff. And it was impossible not to go, what is this house? Uh, so we went and we looked, and um, I think that was when the price was a little higher still. Yeah. And, uh, you know, Illyria went, and Illyria is the people person when it comes to like in-person stuff. So Illyria's talking with the realtors, and it was an open house with other people around. And I just sort of like, you know, slunk off and just kind of scoped the place out and, you know, kind of did a low-key, like... Did your psychic sweep? Yeah, did did my psychic sweep. (laughs) And it felt like there was definitely something going on with the house. And I couldn't, at that time, be 100% sure if it was merely residual or if it was something else. But it also seemed like there was a story there. Because the house had been empty for over a year, and... The folks who lived there before us had just left everything. Like there were still clothes in the hamper. Uh, There was all of like like it was just it was just it literally looked like they packed some bags and bugged out and just never came back. Uh, And they left you know their prescription bottles in the drawers in the one bedroom and those prescriptions bed and nightstands. Yeah, and the prescriptions were enough for me to like start to like do a Google search to see whether or not somebody had committed suicide in the house recently because that could have been a thing. Um it wasn't. It wasn't. Yeah, it it wasn't. It was just they had yeah. they had a very very bad couple of years and a very bad breakup and whether that was tied in with the house or not is at first I was like, "Oh, maybe the house is so haunted it drove them." No, it really like they had they had their own thing, and if anything, um, their experiences left some residual stuff on the house, uh, yeah. which which is interesting. Like like that whole layer of stuff. Every once in a while, we'll still kind of like stumble into it. That of everything at the haunting, the residual energy left from that marriage and its breakup is probably the most negative stuff in the house. Yeah, it sure made for an interesting first few weeks when we had the house. Yeah, so yeah, it's the only stuff I've scrubbed and tried to scrub off of the house yeah. uh, because it's it's that type of residual haunting where even if you're not sensitive, it's very easy to like slip into patterns mm-hmm. worn into the space emotionally by people who were going through a lot of trauma. Uh, and the first couple of weeks where we were cleaning the house. We'd be fine. We'd get there. We'd start doing stuff. And yeah, sure, like buying a new house, a second residence, like lots of stress. Like there's all these things, like there's stuff to fix and everything. 
Um, but then like we find ourselves getting like really out of sorts and then behaving in ways that were uncharacteristic and became really clear based on journals and diaries that were left behind and all the other paperwork that they left behind. They left a lot um, that we were falling into the personalities of the prior owners. Like there was such an indelible stamp of what they had been entangled with. Well, it didn't hurt that, you know, there was about a 10 age mm. or a 10 year age gap between the two of them. The younger one was a little more artsy, mm-hmm. whimsical, like, wanted to make everything about pirates. I mean, I like things <laughs> other than pirates also. But, the older but one the, was a little, was a poet, a little broodier, uh, was clearly thinking about transitioning based on stuff that was tucked away in the back of a girl, uh, of one of the closets, um, yeah. and was much more like like. It, and they've yeah, been there, together. There was, there was a lot of yeah. It was, they've been together about the same amount of time that we had at the point that they got married. Yeah, and it was about three years into our marriage that we bought Inspiration House. It was about three years into their marriage when they fucked right off <laughs> from <laughs> where they had lived for a couple of years. Yeah, but. Like the overlaps were dramatic. And yeah. I think for me, what what helped me realize that it was happening was that we wouldn't sleep there. Yeah. So every night we would leave. And once we were in the car on the way home, I would feel so much better. I was like, I don't know why I was so out of sorts today. Like I just, you know, I felt like I wasn't getting, any, getting anything done. And like we weren't communicating well. And like, who knows what's even going to happen? Like, are we going to make this an Airbnb? What are we doing with this house? We have a house. Ah! <laughs> So I recognized it for what it was, but I wanted to like let it go for a little while, just so. So I'm like, nope, it's definitely the house. It's not just us. Um, at which point I was like, okay, nuclear option. <laughs> I'm I'm going to clean the house from stem to stern. The trick was trying to like just remove the energy from the most recent inhabitants because I liked everything else that was there and I liked all the spirits that were there. Uh, so it was sort of like the. The, the laborious process of scraping away like one layer of paint to get down to like the natural original wood. Mm-hmm. It was taxing, but, but we did it. And after a week of begging, yes. Yeah. You did it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> to be I, fair, like I was convinced yeah. the experiment did not need to go as long as it went. <laughs> just saying. I just wanted to be sure. <laughs> a science. Science. <laughs> So, so how does it become an Airbnb? Um, I proposed that I'd be doing classes out of there, but I wasn't going to be running classes like every day of every week. I wasn't going to make it like a storefront kind of thing. And Elyria has done Airbnb for quite some time. Yeah, since 2013. So she, she was like, how about we rent it out as an Airbnb in between? And I'm like, I have no idea how that works. Sure. <laughs> No, in, in 2013, I was living in Chicago. Uh, I had my own apartment for the very first time uh, because I had just gotten a, a divorce from my first marriage. And I ended up having this apartment. It was beautiful. And like, I picked a great location for it. And it was really like, it was really affordable because it was just me. And I was like, I don't know how much I'm going to be able to afford. So find something cheap and pretty. It was like $500 a month, I want to say. Ow. Because wow. I spent hours <laughs> looking around Chicago for a studio that was that. Okay. Um, but I ended up putting it on Airbnb because I was staying over with friends so often that it was really easy for me to just float around and visit people. 
And I ended up making more than rent most months that I had that apartment. Um, And this is how Leary is a super host. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) I'm not sure that's why. Witchcraft, exactly, Jasmine. Witchcraft. It means witchcraft. Um, but, but yeah, ever since then, like I've either looked for places to mm. live where I could rent out a single room. Um, when my mom passed away, I rented her house on Airbnb after cleaning out some of the more personal stuff. Um, and it's just like, it's always been a really nice way for me to connect with people. And I love making spaces welcoming and comfortable. So it's also a way for me to like yeah. indulge that without just painting my own house all kinds of rainbow colors all the time. (laughs) There's interesting things about Inspiration House, too. The house wants to be lived in. If ever it feels a little unpleasant, it's if it's stood empty for too long. Uh, It's a little draining if you go back, if it's been empty for for several weeks at a time. I've definitely noticed, like, it's, it's just used to being a house where people are. And I think many of the spirits that call Inspiration House home want to see activity around them. Not like, you know, bass-thumping parties. Like, they're they're a little bit more like elderly folks at a nursing home where they want to have you sit around the parlors and have good conversation or stay up and play bridge or, you know, just, just something like yeah. that but still be in the house and appreciate the house. And that's very much weirdly a part of the haunting is domesticity. Like they want it to be a domestic place. Yeah. It's a really neat overlap of like many different things working out. So how it turned into more or less a full-time Airbnb is the pandemic. Uh, because obviously we can't do classes in person and I'm still not doing classes in person and certainly not like the the whole like sleepover things. And that left us in this place of like, well, how do we support this fairly big investment now? Uh, at which point once Airbnb and everybody came up with like good COVID protocols and we, we found that it was more airborne, like, like how long mm-hmm. it lingers and what you need to do to clean everything off so people can actually be there. Uh, we were like, well, self-directed stuff like people can just come and experience the house and you know because it's airbnb you can like you know send us messages and be like hey i can't get into the basement or like why is this one door just opening all the time like what's up with that yeah oh i heard that's awesome there's a bell on the one door is that the basement door that you have a bell on for when it opens (laughs) yes Yeah, I put uh-huh. I put a chime on the door to the basement because when we were uh, cleaning it and we're storing it and doing all the painting and stuff, uh, specifically, I was doing a Facebook live stream while I was working alone in the display room, and footsteps are right, like a normal thing in that house. Like you, you expect to hear footsteps, you expect to hear a dog moving around. Um, that's just that's just part of the house. But these were big stompy footsteps in the basement. Um, and they were loud enough that people on the Facebook live stream could hear some of this sound. Wow! It was loud enough that I was like, maybe somebody's actually in the house. Hang on a second. And if I don't come back, call 911. (laughs) (laughs) But I, I came around the corner and the footsteps were, did like this whole and ran up the stairs and, no joke, like like horror movie moment without being horrifying. Like there wasn't a sense of threat. It was just a sense of energy, of, of intensity. Uh, the door, which has a little latch on it, like 
the handle of the whole thing, like it, it shook and rattled, like somebody was trying to open it from the other end. And I'm like, mm, okay, well, it's still latched. So it's not somebody in the house. Cool. I'm going to go back and talk to Facebook. Sure. Because <laughs> that's normal. Oh, yeah. So, yeah, I, I wanted to catch it if it ever happened again. There was one other time when you and I were there, and, like, you just missed it, I think. Yeah, I remember I was upstairs. Because very often I'm upstairs doing stuff, and you're downstairs doing stuff. Yeah. So, get entirely different pictures. Well, the funny thing, <laughs> the acoustics in the house is, like, you can try to talk in different rooms, and you won't hear one another, oh. and then you'll think that you're hearing the other person talking to you, and nobody's talking at all. That's fun. Yeah, that happens way more there than it does here. Yeah. Oh my gosh. That, I mean, Inspiration House just sounds <laughs> really phenomenal. Like that, that just seems like such a cool and interesting place for people to go and, and it, it just yes. do various things. Cause I mean, that's, is that the purpose then these days is, is encouraging folks to talk to the spirits and try, you know, their various things and what sort of limitations do maybe you have on on the house for people doing that well i want it to be uh sort of a, a training ground for folks who want to try spirit communication try mediumship in an environment that is as safe as that can be uh so you don't want to cut your teeth as uh, a new psychic or a medium on like waverly hills yeah. or oh, <laughs> That would like, be awful. Right? You go to see, like, can I communicate with spirits? Am I sensitive? How do I handle this? Like, that's, that's, you don't want to go right into the deep end of the pool. So, you want a place that is reliably haunted, uh, that has researchable history. Um, and, you know, you have a way to verify what you pick up. And you are not going to face plant into mind scarring trauma. And you are 99% of the time not going to have anything that follows you home. I won't rule out the 1% of the time that something might just be like, hey, want to be friends forever? Uh, <laughs> but that's like, you know, highly unlikely because everything at Inspiration House likes the house too much to want to go anywhere. Like, that's the <laughs> whole thing. There. <laughs> they just don't want to move out. Um, so there's a couple of things that are set up for that. I've got the big book of Inspiration House, which includes, um, the, I researched the history of the house. All of this is now um, at Oberlin's Historical Society. Mm. I'd contacted them to see if they had history, and it turned out that I had managed to turn up more than they had. So <laughs> um, all of my stuff is there. Uh, so it's, yeah, it's a thing. Um, the history of the house, um, all of the people who have lived, who had lived there that I was able to track down, um, genealogies. I've got death certificates for the ones who died in the house while we still had death certificates. Uh, I Google whacked my, 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 my Google whacking skills are pretty good. So in Google books, once I had people's names, I started to like go through old journals, like grain and feed journals or the American Kennel Association, people's names and addresses started to come up. So I know that the family that moved in there it um the early 1900s had an english setter by the name of nick gleam because he was registered with the american <laughs> association uh that was significant because people see a ghost dog 
And I've gotten, there have been two kind of distinctly different descriptions of the ghost dog. So I think we've got two ghost dogs on the property. One is a medium-sized dog who's black and white and fits the, the description of an English setter. Uh, which is sort of like a, I don't know, like a, a spaniel hunting dog looking like they've kind of got spaniel ears, but more like a, they're really cute. <laughs> and then there's a uh, Jack Russell Terrier. Uh, so smaller dog, but people will hear them moving around in the house or little claws on the side of the bed as they crawl up onto the bed to you. <laughs> You you may have a dog in bed with you, and you wake up, and there's actually there's no pet in the house. There there are there are no pets. People see the dogs at the windows, which is fantastic. Um, to the point where we've had several people go, but where your dog's really quiet. Where where are you keeping the dog? I saw the dog in the window when I showed up. I'm like, there is no dog in this house that is alive. <laughs> I promise you, they just they hung around. Um, I had a cool experience with the English setter the last time we tried to stay over. Um, I have bad allergies and something, I don't know if it was the combination of the air conditioning unit we'd put in, in the wall, if it was the time of year, whatever. Uh, I started to like have a bad reaction to something, but I was asleep and I did not wake up in that like half asleep place. This dog comes up to the side of the bed, puts his head on the bed, and just kind of like does like the, but without making the noise of breathing, and like noses me, and noses me to like wake me up. And like I'm half awake enough that I put my hand on the dog's head, and I can describe to you like the clear shape of this dog's like skull and snout. And it slowly dawns on me that I'm not hearing the dog pant or breathe. And then it slowly dawns on me a little bit more that the dog is not actually a physical living dog, but the dog very much wants me to wake up, at which point I realize that I can't quite breathe. <laughs> so Nick Gleam woke me up before my allergy attack got so bad that I would probably have to go to the emergency room. And we got me not out of again. there. Yeah, like we had to like wash, the, like like ev- everything. Like I don't know if it was spores, but it was, it was, it was bad. But Leary was fine. Yep, I do not have bad allergies except poison ivy. So, yeah, dog woke me up because I was in distress. It was really sweet. Oh, that's <laughs> awesome. Nick Aww. Gleam for the win. What a great dog to have there. Yeah, yeah. Nick, Nicky's a great dog. So, yeah, to, to, to circle back to answering the question then. <laughs> this is perfect. Uh, <laughs> there are... The, the big book has a point where it's like kind of spoilers here. So... The idea is if you're going as, as a paranormal team and you are not the psychic, you've got all of the information at your fingertips. And if you are going to experience the house, and it's one reason why I'll talk about the residence and only mention it one or two things, like the dog. I think it's important for people to know that it's a dog if they hear nails clacking on yeah. hardwood or something mm-hmm. crawling in the bed with them. Like That's, that's, a, a, that's a useful yeah. thing to know. There's a dog. It's okay. It's harmless. Um, and... The other things I want to leave open for folks to test themselves, to get their own impressions. Like I, my, my ideal suggestion, if you want to use Inspiration House as a psychic development tool, is to go for a couple of days and let yourself acclimate to the space and the sound of the space and the feel of it. And, and just let that first day be settling in and then let the next day be trying to communicate and get your impressions of who and what is there. And then, and only then, 
open the big book of history and look through uh, the biographies of people and where other folks have perceived stuff and had experiences. Uh, And the, the one wild card is in the display room, I have memorabilia and objects from my career. So there's a bunch of paranormal state stuff there. Uh, there are some haunted objects. There are a bunch of ritual objects. Uh, there are a few things that, much to Illyria's uh, <laughs> annoyance, I have uh, saved from thrift shops and Goodwills because I didn't want small children owning haunted dolls. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> You know, as as time goes on, I feel like I'm becoming more and more okay with the dolls. But that will never be true of Farmer Hitler. <laughs> Farmer Hitler? Did, uh, did I so hear that correctly? We did. If if you, you watched the Netflix, there's <laughs> They got him on camera. <laughs> there there's it is classic Victorian funerary photography. It is post death. This is why this man's face looks uncanny. It's why his eyes are actually painted in and they just look wrong. Yes, um, they and do. It's, it's, it's a portrait of somebody's departed relative. And you insist on putting him on the wall I every time I look away. I, I can't find it now. You hit it too well. Uh, so <laughs> I thought it was cool. It was like a little piece of history, like, you know, those wacky Victorians and their wreaths of human hair and their whole... <laughs> cottage industry of taking photos of corpses. I suppose at this point, finding Farmer Hitler could be a really good scavenger hunt for oh ghosts. Because <laughs> I will keep hiding it. <laughs> it doesn't get to stay up on the wall, but when you find it, you can put it out. I'll just put it yeah. away next time I go there. <laughs> but the idea is to like engage as much as you can with it, and then with the display room sort of set aside... Uh, a lot of that is interactive as well. So I've got a bunch of uh, various tools. There's pendulums, there's dowsing rods, there's the Ouija board. Uh, then there are some more traditional ghost hunting tools. So there's uh, uh, a thing that me- measures decibels of sound. There's a barometer. There's a thermal uh, thermometer thing um, to measure temperatures in real time. Uh, a couple of little recorders for evps there's an old cassette deck if folks want to go old school with that sort of stuff uh, and pretty much if it's not under glass it is intended to be played with there's a whole collection of oracle cards and tarot cards uh, and a, a box of open this in case you think you like screwed something up and you need to like have some palo santo or sage or other things to clear the space out with yeah yeah, maybe I should update the Airbnb discussion again. <laughs> <laughs> Keep adding cool stuff. Yeah, I've, I've, it's 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 that traveling box of of mine that I would take to places okay. when I needed to like clear stuff out. So it's got a ritual dagger, and it's got some dragon's blood soaked sage, and some Palo Santo, and basically like like all of the different things that people might use as tools for clearing. Mm-hmm. Okay, I that's, that's yeah, awesome. the toys and the tools just sound phenomenal. I did not know that was all set up for folks to use. That is just absolutely next level. Wow. Well, okay, so we're getting a little bit short on time for the main episode tonight, and you two both said we can record a little <laughs> bit of a bonus one, so this is phenomenal. Because yeah. I, I, yeah. I want to maybe put a cut in this. And then get to talking about what we're going to do this weekend, because shocker, if folks haven't heard Mm -hmm. this within the episode already, 
You're both going to be joining us this upcoming Saturday. That is October 23rd. And I think our time for that is 7 p.m. Eastern. We're going to do a little virtual seance sort of thing of our own. We talked about that um, just in passing in our our last setup when we did the the Keperu talk. I'm so Mm -hmm. excited to see what we might get into. And I thought we could use that bonus episode to plan that out a bit. Mm see what sort of abilities we want to hone in on. Because Peggy and I mm-hmm. have been having some fun encounters. Um, we had John oh, yes. <laughs> Tenny with us the other night, and uh, he he showed us this Euphonaut board that he's working on, and with it has pendulum and cards, and someone named Jesus came through and talked to us the other day. So yep. it's Fine. been a real round robin of, of spirits and all kinds of goodies coming in through this house to talk. And I, I can't wait to chat with you both of what we might want to set up as intentions for that. Mm. Yeah. I'm, I'm excited. I'm tempted. Well, I've got some Kepri and disembody that are always happy to play. <laughs> oh. It would also be really interesting is to get Michelle's take on Harold, if we can get Harold to come through. Yeah, that's a tease. Let's put that tease in this one, Pagan, and say yeah. we've had uh, an entity calling itself Herald, or it is the Herald coming through, which has been tied to a little bit of, what would you say, Pagan, like a little bit of a Nephilim Archangel sort of energy attached to it? It's yeah, I, vacillates. I would say somewhere between ultra-terrestrial mixed with Nephilim Archangel energy. It's very interesting the way that they come through. They're not threatening in any way. Like, they're very positive. It's just one of those things that Harold is interesting. And we can't, we're still figuring Harold out. And he, he, they have come through a few times and we're, we're having a lot of fun talking to Harold. So, so let's get your take on that. <laughs> and if he does, he, it, if it comes through, the one thing uh, I'll say, we, we've been trying to get, some actionable steps from Harold because Harold keeps teasing us, telling us we all need to find our joy, which is a cute message, (laughs) but also something that's hard to hold on to in this world where, you know, COVID and every other trauma that's happening. So Harold comes by and says, joy, joy, find your joy. (laughs) And then we all scratch our heads. What does that actually mean? So if they come through, maybe we could get some help guiding some of those messages too. That would be fun. Yeah, sure. Excellent. Fascinating. Anything else that you two would like to talk about before we close out the main episode for tonight? I mean, you've got your beautiful, amazing Patreon account going on there. The wonderful YouTube channel. You've got your Facebook account. You've both got some Twitter profiles. What else is on the plate? Anything else that we should be teasing folks about? Tease away. I mean, there's all the game stuff and... Mm -hmm. Which I know is a little bit of a departure, but uh, also not because it's all themed. Um, what's what's going on? I don't I don't yeah. even know. Like there's okay, so much. So I've I've got I've got a new I've got a new thing that I actually haven't even told you about yet. Oh, oh. Um, maybe it's an old thing made new. Okay. So I've had a Patreon very quietly for many years, actually since before you had yours, mm-hmm. and up until now. It's just been for my poetry. Um, but I was realizing on this trip to the West that like the, the reason I write poems is both for healing and for happiness. And there are a couple of other things that I do for those same reasons. Like for the last year, I've been reading stories aloud on a separate Discord server that's 
not recorded at all. It's not my stories. I just read aloud to people who show up. Um, and I do this in order to create, uh, the Danish word is hygge, but I always mispronounce it higgy. Um, <laughs> That's what I've always create, pronounced it too. <laughs> yeah. Like it's, it's coziness, contentment. Um, and I'm, I'm basically exploring ways to combine all of this so that my Patreon becomes not just a place where I share poems, but a place where I can inspire that kind of happiness in people, whether they're subscribers or not, um, just by making stories and experiences and insights and thoughts available to people who are interested. So that's patreon.com slash Illyria, but I haven't updated anything about it, so it still looks like it's just for my poems. <laughs> I feel like Early tease. I feel like there's some big thing that I'm completely blanking on, but I've just been so, like sucked into like writing rainbow bridge and ouija scramble and murder by um, gaslight and all the rest of them that i have no idea um i mean can we talk about the whole uh the thing with the books oh i i've gotten rights back to many of my <gasps> early books and so they will that will herald some re-releases oh. and updates to things like the psychic vampire codex that's oh, so dang. exciting. Oh my gosh. Yes. I I spent yeah, rather that's... a lot of time. <laughs> this is funny. Researching. Like, how do you get publishers to agree to rights returns? And like what tactics do you take and are there specific words or people you need to reach out and use and talk to? By, by As all it happened. Yeah. By by all rights they should have been out of print and reverted to me by it, they should. It, it, it's But but as it happened I was putting in an order to replenish our stock of the books. And I happened to mention like to the person I was ordering from, like, who would I talk to about this? She forwarded my, my simple question to the person in charge. And then the rights were back. Like we just asked and they said, Oh yeah. Okay. (laughs) Okay. All right. More research than I needed to do. Yeah, the downside means that you will not necessarily be able to get these off of like Amazon or anything as things go on. We have some of the only copies. Actually, I think we yeah, have we, we, we bought, bought the rest, we bought of, the rest stuff. of their stock. So all of mm-hmm. that is us um, until such time as I do all the updates on things. Some That's of them so don't exciting. need like huge updates, like Dreamwalking. I I don't see a whole lot to to update. <laughs> Although fixing the typos they put in the yes. manuscript will. That will be great. Need to happen. Uh, <laughs> there are definitely some things uh, that didn't age as well as I would have liked in, like the Psychic Energy Codex. Uh, just really like the the last chapter on working with uh, a study group, and with the Psychic Vampire Codex, I want to be able to put my uh, they them and differently gendered pronouns and, and language back in which i was not allowed to have hold in the manuscript in 2004 wow that i'm, I'm so looking forward to this <laughs> seriously yes. and then there's the whole idea of the store i guess and i mean is that somewhere that people might be able to grab some of these books then in the interim and such is is this all going to michellebellandjay.com forward slash store because that's amazing and i yes. just Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Illyria manages that, and 
what happens is this. So there is like, dear, are, are you available for signing things? And then I come into the exercise room and there are neatly stacked things with names labeled on them and like sign this one to this and this one to this. And I walk on in and do my thing and sign everything. And she packs it up. and Illustrious autographs. <laughs> <laughs> and we have all the swag that Kat yeah. has been so oh delightful for, for like designing. We, we always make sure that everybody gets like some some little goodies. Oh mm-hmm. yeah, you sent great things. I mean, our, our audience knows this. <laughs> so but much great stuff. You I've got like the stack over here still. Right, the 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 psychic aptitude cards when you guys sent those out was filled with so much cute stuff. I had no idea that I was <laughs> opening up a whole goodie package. I thought I was just getting some cards. <laughs> got amazing like postcard picture style stuff. I mean, stickers, the whole lot. So that thank you so so much for sending us mm-hmm. those because. We love them. We really, yeah. really do. Yes. Sad. Well, what do we say that we go ahead and put our break into this one? So folks out there listening, we'll have our bonus episode available for those up on our website. So revelatornetwork.com forward slash subscribe. That's available for a $5 found or um, sorry, supporter members can't speak tonight. Uh, but go ahead and grab that. That gets you a ton of bonus interviews, including many with Michelle already. So, I mean, if you're on mm-hmm. a listening binge, go up because... I think, Michelle, you, because, Larry, this is only our second one with you, and I don't really remember if we did a bonus in our last, because that was during Keparu itself. Yeah. No. But Michelle <laughs> got extra ones up there going back months now. Mm-hmm. So thank you both mm-hmm. always for taking this time. I know our chat's super excited. They've said they've been enthralled <laughs> listening this entire time. Um, it just means so much to us so what we can do we'll put our cut in here uh we'll all get up stretch our legs for a minute and we'll come back and record a little bit extra talking about that seance so folks out there you will find a lot of links for michelle and Illyria up on the blog Mm -hmm. we'll include some of that into the podcast description itself so you can find it easily but again october 23rd and i believe that's 7 p.m eastern time we'll keep you updated this week so you can put that on your calendar and we will catch you then. That will be on twitch.tv forward slash Kyle Paranormal. Michelle and Illyria, thank you so much. Let's get out of here and close this episode out. Thank you. Goodbye, everybody. <laughs>